Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. As always, we got the caffeine crackalack and we got some stuff to talk about. But before I get into it, I want to do my standard uh, check-in. How is your mental health? Yep, that's right. We want to take a moment unbelievable that this might be the first time some of you have ever been asked a question like that but this is something we should be asking ourselves at least once a day how's my mental health doing what do i need do i need more of something less of something do i need to take the day off i'll tell you never ceases to amaze me how we are so tied to productivity and output and outcomes as where we derive uh, worth and meaning and legitimacy for anything and everything, people, relationships, our time. I had someone tell me the other day, this was someone who's newer to my practice. They were like, Dr. Chris, gotta tell you, I was so proud of myself. I was not feeling well last week and I went to work anyway. And I said, that's absolutely horrible. That is not mental health centered. Uh, If you are not feeling well, take care of yourself. You should have stayed home, stayed in bed, rested. You shouldn't have gone to the gym. You shouldn't have gone to work. When in doubt, rest it out. We need more rest, more downtime. That is a horrible model of functioning. I've said that before when we talk about things at school like perfect attendance. Dear God in heaven, train your child to know that their worth isn't tied to showing up to school every day and that sometimes you need to rest. Sometimes you take a day off for fun. Please, let's back away from the idea that our worth The value of something, our time and activity is not tied to what it produces. I tell clients that don't turn your passion into a side hustle. Don't turn your passion, that which you enjoy doing, and the worth and value of it is just in its own creation and existence. Don't turn that into a moneymaker. Then it's not fun anymore. It's about how many you're producing. What do people think about it? Got to get it done. Don't do that. Skip school sometimes, rest, have fun, call out of work when you need to, take your downtime, take your vacation time, take your sick time. Yes, I said, we need to work on you not trying to be a robot, you not tying yourself to optimalization. That is dehumanization, that is not mental health, stay home, rest. I said, that's horrible, that is not kind to yourself, that is not having good boundaries, that is not rooted in self-care, that is living in burnout, but even legitimizing and putting valor within burnout. That is also why we have a high rate of suicidality. People think their worth and value is tied to so many things. Look, the highest rate of, of suicide is men. Because men don't know how to rest, ask for their needs, talk about emotions. They overwork. They only know how to access anger. That is part of that. So how's your mental health? Do you need to stay home tonight? Do you need to call out of work? Do you need to clear your schedule? Do you need to tell that friend, sorry, can't pick you up at the airport. Got to stay home and rest. My mental health's not doing so great. Sorry, can't attend your birthday party. Love you. Know you'll understand. So tonight's show is for and about those that want to do the work of really being known and really knowing others. And for some, it's a very radical reorientation to the world and to themselves and to others. And for some, it's just about a little few minor tweaks and changes. Um, But we all need to have this somewhere in our lives, somewhere in our lives. All right, we'll talk about it more when we come back and listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right we're back and talking about how to deepen conversations and it's really important because a lot of relationships, friendships, family relationships, romantic relationships, marriages, they kind of stall out because we really hit this block of, well, we've hit the levels of vulnerability and intimacy I can tolerate, kind of back off at that point. We did a whole show on intimacy in general. I think it was a really important show. Go back and check it out. It's over at wearechannelq.com. It's where all the shows are podcasted. And this one tonight is really more about conversational style. And I think it's important because I work with a bulk of couples where they're kind of like, yeah, you know, been together for a while. It's kind of stalled out. We've shared all the easy superficial stuff. Now it's time to drop into the meat. You know, those deeper parts of ourselves, which is when we walk away actually feeling like we connected with someone. All the topical superficial stuff, super fun. But like, that's not where humanity exists. That's not where we really feel close to someone. That's not you know, the deeper material once connected within and around that, that's when we're healed. That's when our shame is reduced. That's when we feel truly known and accepted. Um, that's when we know we can trust someone. Remember one of the biggest takeaways I want you to get from tonight is that we most show safety and trust and commitment if, and when we can drop into those deeper parts of ourselves or hold space for someone else's. And that's when we communicate to someone like, yo, I'm really here. You know, it's one thing when someone's there to do fun things with and to laugh, but like through those difficult times, that's when we know this person really has my back. And if we're in a primary relationship, even if it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, we need to know that that's, that that part of them is accessible, that that part of us is um, acceptable to them, right? That that part of them is accessible and that part of us is acceptable. Otherwise, shame can be built around that part of ourselves, right? So let me let me give you a parallel example. As a certified sex therapist, one of a few, only of a hundred of us in the whole world, which shocks some people. And I'm like, yeah, because it's a lot of work. Um, it's a true scholarship. You know, I'm truly a scholar and an expert in the field of sexuality. You know, my God, I think it took five to seven years to get all the things done to be able to sit to get certification as a sex therapist. That's why there's so few of us. People are lazy, truly. <laughs> it's really important work. It's also often devalued in our culture and in the field of academia. So stupid. It's so ridiculous that it's that way. But you know, sex phobia runs deep, far and wide. But um, I'll work with some individuals and 
They're in a, they're in a monogamous relationship, a long-term monogamous relationship. And dear God in heaven, even their primary partner doesn't know who they are truly sexually. They've never said, I don't orgasm from that position. They've never said, this is how I enjoy sex. They've never said, I've always wanted to try this thing. They've never said, this is what I look at when I watch porn. Oh my God, that means you have shame around that. Either you yourself have developed shame around that or your partner has in, in fact built shame around that in some way, shape or form by basically communicating overtly or, or uh, indirectly or directly that they don't want to hear about that or can't tolerate hearing about that or, or aren't mature enough to hear about that. So some of the work I do in maritals, couples or sex therapy is helping these individuals that are literally sharing a bed and a house and maybe children, how to actually have intimacy, how to actually talk about deeper important parts of who we are. So let's kind of just start there by saying, are you in a relationship with a best friend, a very close family member, or a primary romantic partner, and you are not able to share or discuss certain certain parts of your sexuality, certain parts of things you think or feel or enjoy doing, then this is a very important show for you. And even if you are someone who says, nope, 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 open book, which no one's a total open book, but let's go with it for a second. There's still a lot for you to learn in this because we all have work to do in this, but some people more so. So that's kind of some of those domains. Sexually, does anyone on this planet know you at your total full sexual self? Otherwise, shame. How about psychologically, what you're thinking and feeling? How about socially, things you enjoy doing? I hear it in such micro ways. Let me talk about some of the stupid, stupid, superficial ways that this exists before we talk about, like I just referenced, some of the deeper, more important parts. But I even hear people say things like, oh, my guilty pleasure implying a little bit of shame around a, a, a band that they like listening to or a show they like watching. Just sit with that for a second. Who cares? Listen to what you listen to. Watch what you watch. Like, why are we calling it a guilty pleasure? Why is there guilt in it? Just freaking own it. And I know that some people don't really mean that when they say that, but some people do. They're like, oh, okay, don't judge me. But oh my God, that statement implies that we do have a little bit of anxiety about parts of ourselves. Why? Because we live in a world where we aren't trained or told that we can be our total and full selves at all times, in all places, with all people. In fact, we are literally trained in the opposite. Well, you're a man, so you should always pay for the date, ask the person out. That's very heterocentric, but people are still told that. So because you have a certain anatomy, we're going to make these expectations upon you. That's bizarre. That's also violent and abusive to project that and expect that on someone who maybe isn't that or doesn't want that, which is why I help people heal and move beyond their gender. And then we get into the heterocentric stuff of, well, as a straight man or straight woman, I should only or I should never. Again, movement away from feeling confident in your total full self. And again, as I say on the show all the time, we're burying our truth and authenticity under all these different levels and layers and labels. And then as a parent, you should or shouldn't, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So most of us aren't living our full and total selves at all times in all places with all people. What a beautiful world it'd be if we did. Of course, always with compassion. I'm not talking about doing it like at people or harming people, but what if we didn't have to have shame about what we enjoyed sexually, about the hobbies we have, about the TV shows and music we like to listen to, about the bodies we, we, we occupy or whatever it might be. So there are these little micro ways throughout the day that people aren't having true connection or dropping deeply into who they are. And then of course it gets more profound where there's some marriages that just exist in silence and no one shares about their day or about their thoughts or about their feelings or about their dreams or about their hopes or even what it feels like to be in this marriage or this family system. Heartbreaking stuff. Heartbreaking. So tonight's show is for and about those that want to do the work of really being known and really knowing others. And for some, it's a very radical reorientation to the world and to themselves and to others. And for some, it's just about a little few minor tweaks and changes. Um, but we all need to have this somewhere in our lives, somewhere in our lives. All right, we'll talk about it more when we come back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about how to really know and be known. A lot of us aren't. Some of us don't have anyone that knows all of us. Even if you parse it out, is there five people that when all put together know all of you? Meaning each one knows a different part? Okay, that's better than 
having elements of our of our lives or identity or sex lives or psychology or whatever it is that aren't known by anyone, which is why therapy comes in. Sometimes therapy is that space where you practice finding comfort and reducing shame in parts of who we are. And you do that with the therapist and then hopefully you can take that outside of therapy and extend that into your you know daily life. Um, I talked on the show about boundaries and privacy. So in no way am I saying we should be boundaryless and just telling everyone everything. Um, we have this weird, weird, weird value on this word honesty. I don't use that word like that. Um, it's not always about being honest. We're very thoughtful about what we say and how we say it and who we say it to. And it's not about always be honest. No, it's, it's bigger than that, more nuanced than that. Um, certain parts of ourselves, you have to earn the right to, you have to earn access to, you have to earn my trust before I tell you about these deeper, darker, more private parts. And so in the beginning, as we're getting to know someone and figuring out if they're safe, if we can trust them, if they're mature enough to hear certain things, we slowly bring them into deeper, more important parts of who we are. But until then we have boundaries and we have privacy. No one on the first couple of dates or maybe even in the first couple of years of marriage, bring them in and tell them everything or same thing with friendship. So that's in there. I'm not saying I want to live in a world where we're boundaryless. And upon sitting on a first date, you're talking about your addiction history and legal troubles you might've had and all this other stuff. Like we don't need to have shame around that, but people need to build our trust and earn the right to that information because there's a lot of people that don't know how to hold that kind of information. They don't have the maturity to understand that people grow and change or what to do with that. Um, so that's in there. I want to just kind of make that disclaimer, um, boundaries first always and assessing who is this person and what, what do I want and what's possible. But once we get beyond that, let's get to some of the nuts and bolts because again, as I was kind of saying earlier in the show, I do work with some individuals and couples where they're like, God, when we go to dinner and we're finally alone, we don't really know what to talk about or how to talk. And we wind up talking about the kids and finances and it's like, oh my God, how boring and how drab. But then friends have that sometimes too, where people that are going on a first date. So it's really about how do I do that deeper work? So I'm going to give you some short form things and then I'll kind of expand upon it. But I guess let's talk first about what are the different domains of our lives that we should assess? Meaning, are you able to talk about these domains um, with others? Are there people that can be a part of this? Are you able to access these domains and other people that you have close relationships with? Or you can look at it as these are some of the domains around which I could start sharing parts of myself to work on more connection and deeper intimacy and being known better. So of course, there's a thousand ways to label it. Here's the way I kind of label these. There's the psychological, emotional, how I'm doing in the world, what I'm thinking, what I'm hoping for, what I'm dreaming, what my personality's like, what my temperament's like. Then there's the social, what I like to do out in the world. Um, hiking, art, concerts, music, reading, you know, things like that, where it places us geographically out in the world, where psychologically and emotionally, we kind of talk about our own internal experience. Then there's things that are more career and work oriented. What do I do with 40 hours of my week, more or less? I think that is an important question. Some people get so offended by that. And I appreciate that because we do live in a little bit of a, a classist culture where people might judge your worth or value based on your job. For me, I always ask what people do because it helps me place them in the world. And I help, I try to understand what their passions are. This is something you're doing from anywhere from 20 to 60 hours a week. Yeah, I'm going to ask what that thing is. It helps me understand you, who you are in the world, what your interests are. My God, if someone doesn't ask me what I do for work, you are missing out on understanding a lot of who I am on every level because my work is about my hobbies and my education, my mission statement. So yes, please do ask that question, but ask it from the right perspective. So career questions, what do you want to do? What do you do? What do you enjoy thinking about? What are your signature skills, the parts of you that you enjoy working with and utilizing? Dear God, ask those questions. I want to be asked those questions. I always ask people what they do for work. But yes, I appreciate we live in a culture where usually it's seen as a classist, elitist question. It isn't when I ask it, and I kind of frame it that way. Hey, I want to ask you what you do in the world. I want to ask you what you do for work because I want to better understand what you do with your time and what's of interest to you. Also, our sexuality. That's another part that we can share even with our friends or our primary partners. Here's the kinds of things I like doing. Here's the kinds of things I wanna be doing. Have you ever done that? What do you think about that? I love sharing that with my friends. Yeah, I talk to my friends all the time about that. People are blown away by some of this, but 
I like having really authentic, deep conversations with my friends. Hey, have you ever watched this kind of porn? Hey, I tried this new thing with a partner. Have you ever done that? Oh my God, it was super hot. Or how do you blah, blah, blah. I'm always talking to my friends of all different genders about different things. Yes, part of it's kind because of, the kind of work I do, I have a lot of confidence in very vulnerable, intimate conversations and around different topics. But like, I value that in general. I don't think those are that there's anything that's off limits. But again, we do have boundaries and privacy and we have to earn our right to that. So there's no, I'm not talking about, again, a boundarylessness. But these are parts of ourselves that should be able to be related to and known by at least someone, but especially if we're in a primary relationship, woof, has to. Um, all right, when we come back, we're going to do some DMs and then we'll get back to this. So if you have some uh, questions for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline G page. Otherwise, stick around because we got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Questions you got, bam, drop them in there. Topics you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into the uh, Loveline IG page. Lots of good stuff over there. All right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've been with my partner now for about a year, year and a half, sorry. Truly never been with someone so caring and understanding, especially when it comes to my anxiety and depression. See, that's a beautiful thing. A lot of people personalize it, problematize it, panic around it. You found a partner who's like, all right, you know, I'm here for you. Uh, however, <laughs> I love the howevers, the, the bum bum bums. Okay, however, lately my eating disorder has been kicking my butt. That's a hard one because that's probably not an internal issue. It's that you've internalized our disordered culture our culture has a disorder around food and exercise and bodies, and a lot of us are on the receiving end of it and internalize it. And uh, that's going to be with us until we make a lot of changes out in the world. It's really hard to step outside of that. So God bless you. Um, however, you said my eating disorder has been kicking my butt, and due to not having insurance right now, it impacts me daily, heightens my anxiety, depression, insecurities about myself and the relationship. Yeah, I bet. You said this is a very sensitive topic for me and I'm nervous to share this with my partner, but I feel it's almost necessary to let him in on why I've been having such dark days. Yes, because you don't want your partner to personalize and think it's something he's done or doing. You don't want your partner to think something's wrong with the relationship and you want your partner to understand what's going on so that that reduces his anxiety and also so that he can maybe help you. That's why I'm all about transparency in primary relationships with our friends, partners, family members. If they're important and primary to us, we want to let them know what we're struggling with. And I I appreciate that it can be hard. You've already disclosed anxiety and depression, and he's been great around that. I can understand where you have anxiety about saying, and I also have an eating disorder, and it's really been bad right now, but you need to do it because there's no shame in that. I don't want you to have shame in that. That is not your fault. Anyone with an eating disorder or anxiety and depression, that is being on the receiving end of our toxic capitalistic culture. We have all these gross institutions and systems that train us to think we're not good enough. And we have to look a certain way and we don't get to find purpose and meaning in our lives. And we have to actually earn a living and go to jobs where we're treated poorly and not even offered money that helps us pay our bills. It's all in there. It's all in there. Um, but I don't want you to have any shame around it. So I want you to be able to tell him, you know, that's how you reduce the shame. That's also how you maybe get his support and also let him know what it is you might need. And maybe you need nothing more than for him to just understand. Um, but bring them in on that. Uh, back to what you said. Uh, you said, I guess my question is, should I move forward with telling him, even though there's a lot of shame there for me and I'm afraid to look at me differently, or should I wait till I can unpack this? Well, Obviously, I already kind of answered some of that. Yes, I think you need to tell them, but we should never share unprocessed, undigested material with our partners because then you're just vomiting stuff on them and expecting them to make sense of it or to understand it. And often before we process and digest it, it's, it's catastrophized and dramatized and really messy and they might not get over it. They might not know how to work through it and you might. And then you're like, all right, well, I'm good. I feel better. And they don't. So, and that's a tip for everything. Like if you're upset about something, process and digest before you speak up. I don't want people just jumping off, popping off and saying whatever's on their mind or what they're feeling. That's not mental health. So the answer is never share automatic, undigested, unprocessed material ever about anything in any context. Always wait until you've regulated and worked it through a little bit, 100%. Sometimes that regulation and working through, we do it in front of a person where we'll say, wow, that was a really hard moment. I'm sitting here feeling triggered. I'm wanting to act out and punish you, but I realize nothing that happened was your fault. And I'm really, really trying to bring myself back to center and to understand that we're just having a complex day and we're trying to have fun and I care about you. So, all right, honey, let's just hug and kiss and let's kind of move on. 
that's a beautiful way we can process in front of someone, but please don't ever just pop off like that. So yes, you should share. Yes, that will help you decrease your, your shame. Yes, that will help them help you. And also, yes, you should go digest it and process it first. What, do, what is it about your eating disorder you wanna share? Why do you want to share it? What is it that he can help you with around that? Because he's going to want to understand why. He's going to know how he can help. Have those answers ready. Yeah. Great question. Important stuff. Good luck. Let me know how it goes. All right, y'all. If you got a question for us, put it in the DMs on our Love Line IG page. Always anonymous, always confidential. Helping others as you're helping you. And uh, past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, click on it. Binge post for listen and share. Take me with you on your journey, you know? But um, don't go anywhere. We got a whole lot more to come, and later in the show, we'll be doing some more DMs. So stick around. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, Shaw, we are back and talking about how to really be known and how to know others, how to drop deeper into conversations that not only build intimacy, but more importantly, also kind of heal and transform. Remember, there are parts of ourselves that we withhold and that can sometimes be driven by shame or create shame. Sometimes that's our own and we have work to do. Uh, sometimes that's reflected back where we're in relationships with people that aren't mature enough or healthy enough or interested enough to hold space for some of that. Um, and that can input shame into us. Yes, people can and do make us feel certain ways. It's called connection, intersubjectivity, mirror neurons, um, attachment, like yes, social contagion, yes. Absolutely. That's how that goes. That's why we're very thoughtful about the people we spend time around because our level of health is impacted by that and vice versa. Um, so we want to be able to have relationships where we can be known to our deepest levels. And that's a very healing thing. That's how shame is worked through. And we have a lot of shame around so many parts of ourselves, but we were just talking about the different domains around which we could share. And I was saying, check in on these domains. Is there anyone in your life that you can share these parts of yourself with within a boundary appropriate way? And I was saying, there's the social pieces, what things you like to do in the world. World. There's the psychological and emotional, who I am, what I'm thinking, what I'm needing, what I'm dreaming, what I'm wishing for, the um, work career stuff, and then also our sexuality. And if you're in a primary relationship of any kind, socially, romantically, well, that's where that work can exist. It's so healing to have at least one person in your life where you can tell them all of that about yourself, which I'm seeing some of that on social media where people are wanting more realness and honesty and truth. And I'm seeing these amazing influencers that are showing pictures of their bodies with scars and women with body hair and stretch marks and men without muscles. And I think it's so stunning and it's so healing and it's so normalizing. And we're going through this beautiful time where we're going, getting away from Photoshopping and and really just denying the reality of who we are. And we're all about inclusivity and gender diversity and body diversity and racial diversity. And I love it. And I want us to do that within our own individual private lives by bearing parts of ourselves to others um, that we shouldn't have any shame or guilt around. And we shouldn't continue to maintain that. And in us bearing those parts of ourselves to others, we heal and release and make them free to be able to do that with us and with others. It has a huge domino effect. So ask yourself, do I withhold parts of myself from important people in my life? Why? Is that them or is that you? What would it mean if I pushed our relationship towards being able to tolerate and contain that? That might be healing for both of you, but is that my work or their work? Because some of us are in relationships with people that aren't healthy enough or mature enough to do this. Oh, it might be time to move on. You might have outgrown them or you've just kept the bar low and you should kind of push on that. Give people that chance. Sometimes people will meet us there and grow with us if we give them that opportunity. So try to practice this with the important people in your life. I'm never a fan of just making that decision for them and bouncing. I want us to see and stay and try and push. Um, okay, so what are some ways that we can begin to do that work? Well, like I said, first check in on those domains. Is there anyone in your life that knows those important parts of you? And again, if not, is that my work? Is that their work? What's that about? Um, because that's gonna be the goal, to be able to express that. The total, total, total goal is to be yourself, totally at all places with all people at all times moving away from professionalism moving away from respectability politics moving away from what your gender is or what your sort of sexual orientation is and saying i'm just going to do me i'm just going to be me i'm not going to try to be a man or a woman i'm not going to try to be hetero or gay i'm not going to try to worry about be, you know i'm a mom or a professional what that means i'm just going to be authentically myself always with compassion right we're paying attention to how we're impacting others but like that's the goal 
And I love when I see those people out in the world that are like, look, I'm not going to try to be liked or perform health or wellness or perfection or whatever it is. I'm just going to do me, you know, throw my hair up in a, in a pony and hit the ground running as, as I've seen some women say, um, okay. So chicken on that, then we move on and we say, what about these relationships? Well, one of the frameworks that I often offer people is it's got to be a daily practice. So that's the case with anything. Anything I'm ever talking about on the show with my patients, I tell them, you've spent every day for a lot of years practicing these unhealthy traits. You are going to have to practice every day healthier traits to build them in and make them who you are. We have to remember we have to make them accessible. We have to know what they are. We have to build that muscle. So it's going to be a daily practice. What does that mean? It means you have to remember to do it. Leave yourself a note, put it in your phone. I leave stickets around my house that remind me of how I want to think, what I want to be doing, who I want to be in the world. You need to do that. Also, maybe reading some self-help material that aligns with these topics. So that's the first piece is it's going to have to be a daily practice. You're not just going to listen to one segment and think it's going to carry with you at all times in all spaces with all people. And you're going to remember this stuff. You got to write it down, whatever it is, you know, push on my edges and go deeper and share things even when I'm feeling anxious or practice to the extent I can being myself at all times in all places with all people, or let me identify those moments when I'm not. And why am I not? Why did I not tell that person on the first date that I actually don't like horror movies? Why did I tell my mom that I do like sushi and I'm cool meeting her there? Why did I ask yourself, why are you performing something other than who you are? Why am I not telling my husband that I don't orgasm when we have sex in this position or that when he's finished, I also want to finish? Why is that your work or their work? That's the question. We're going to come back and talk more about it. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all. We are back and we're talking about how we can heal shame in, in ourselves and in other people based on what we talk about or don't talk about. And the first thing is it has to be a daily practice. But then we also have to identify those moments where, with, where we are withholding who we are or our truth. What is that about? Is it that we are people pleaser? And, and we're just always trying to be liked? Is it that I don't trust and have confidence in my thoughts and opinions and interests? Is it that the other person isn't safe? What's going on? Because we have to be able to, in a healthy relationship, we are able to express feelings and needs that are different from those around us. And some of us don't feel like we can do that. And some of us are correct that you might be with someone who can't tolerate that difference or believes that relationships are about convincing you or that relationships are about someone being right. But that's the first question. You have to identify those moments where I'm withholding, I'm holding back. Why? And then in those spaces and moments, you have to say, what would it mean if I risked actually being myself and saying, I don't like that. I don't enjoy that. I can't do that. Letting them down by telling them I do love watching trashy reality television. <laughs> be a big letdown for me to be told that if I was in a relationship with someone, but I'd have to hold space and honor that. Why? Because being in a relationship of any kind, social, romantic, is about dealing with people's differences and imperfections. That is where we demonstrate and show trust and commitment to that friend, to that partner. You can be yourself with me and I'm still here. You can be yourself with me and let me down and disappoint me and I'm still here. You can show me that you are not me you are someone separate and I can be curious and open to that and I'm still here. That is when trust and commitment are demonstrated. Those are really important things. So what do we then want to do? We want to start practicing every day, sharing our day with someone. If you're in a primary relationship, go to them, build that time in, ask someone how their day was actually start to mean it. When you say, how was your day? <laughs> Stand there focused, not distracted by anything, not on your computer, watching television, cooking or on your phone while you ask it quietly stand there saying, how was your day? Ask that when you meet up with a friend. I have couples building in what I call um, date night, mini dates, and micro dates. What? All right, let's break it down. Date night is this standing thing on the calendar every single week where it is just you and your partner and it is a priority and it is not free time or downtime or something else can be put in that space. That space is booked. It's not, oh, we have to do this thing so we have to cancel date night. No, would you cancel work? Would you cancel a surgery? No, you don't cancel date night. So if someone says, oh, Friday at seven, can you help me move? No, I'm not available. Because date night means you are not available. It is not time that can be dedicated to something else. How offensive to your partner in your relationship to pose it as such. 
that somehow that's free time. My downtime, I also tell clients and, and my and, and, and everyone else to inspire them. My free time isn't my, I'm sorry, let me say it differently. My downtime isn't free time. My downtime is for me when I rest and I do certain things rooted in self-care. It isn't free time that is up for grabs if someone wants me to do something. That time is called, quote unquote, I'm not available. It's my downtime. It's booked in the calendar, not, not available during that time. That is not time that's dedicated to something else. That's how date night has to be. If you can't build in at least one hour once a week to spend time with your partner, your life is seriously out of balance and you have your priorities wrong. I don't care if you have to work. That comes first. Remember, I've said this on the show before. We're not not going to our kids' soccer games. We have to work. We're not missing date nights. We have to work. That's offensive to your partner and your relationship and your family. Work doesn't come first. I know we live in a culture where it does. We're working on changing that. Date night is a standing thing that is not negotiable, is not flexible, and it is not able to be passed up for something else. So that's the first thing that's built in. If you can't make that commitment, your your life is not your your life is not built in a way that you're ready to be in a marriage or a relationship. Period. End of story know that. Okay. Then we have mini dates, which are ones that are smaller. We don't have to get dressed up. We don't have to leave the house. It might be at night after work, after dinner, we go sit outside on the porch. It's not as structured, structured. It's not as stringent. And we just sit there and we talk. That would be an example of a mini date, a date night, on the calendar, we put effort into it, it's intentional, yes. And then the lower level would be the mini date where it's not as intentional, it's not as unstructured, it's not as structured and we're like watching our show every Thursday night or sitting out on the porch at night or one night or we go for a nightly walk, those are the mini dates. They're looser, they're lighter, they're gentler, awesome. And then we have below that micro dates. That's when we steal a few minutes. The kids are doing their homework. You grab your partner and you kiss them and you look them in the eyes and you're like, hey, hey, how are you? And it's just a moment or two. Maybe you've finished the dishes and you grab your partner and you throw them down on the couch and you just make out for a little bit. It's these smaller little moments. I want us to be doing all three because this deepening that I'm trying to help people learn how to do can exist on the physical, the emotional, the sexual, the psychological. Maybe the same thing with a friend. Maybe every Sunday you and your friend have a standing whatever. That's like the date night version of the friend. But then you have maybe some mini dates where you're like, yo, happy hour, let's grab a drink. Let's go for a hike. And then maybe there's some micro ones where you just send a little text. Hey man, you've been on my mind or hey, how's your day going? You know, there's all these different levels that, and different ways that we can relate to people, but try to be hitting all of them. Um, it's, it's about consistency as much as it is about what you're doing during those times. And we've really structured a life where we're out of balance. We talk so much about work-life balance. No one's doing that. If you can't even build in and do the things I just talked about, you are so far out of balance. You are living in burnout. You know, work-life balance would be we are doing as much leisure, joy, and pleasure as we are work, and it doesn't tend to go that way. So build these things in. When we come back, we're going to talk about a few more little micro-level things to kind of weave into that, but these are the bigger structure points. And then we'll be closing out with some DMs. So if you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page questions, maybe a topic you want to sit, something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into. And past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share because we got a lot to unlearn and relearn. I love podcasting because you can take us with you anywhere, you know, and re-listen. Um, anywho, don't go anywhere. More to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we are back and we're just finishing up our discussion on uh, how to drop deeper into intimacy with conversation. And, you know, we talk about topics like this all the time and we will continue to because not only do we need the reminders and the repetition, but this is something that consistently is put in my DMs when people are asking me, how do I do this? How do I do that? And, you know, I think, okay, let me build up a topic around that. And that was one of the questions that came in. And I also saw it in my clinical practice is people saying, I don't really know how to sit deeper in a conversation after I've, after I've hit all the, you know, standard, comfortable, topical, superficial stuff. And, you know, one of the things I give people as a rubric for working on this is it's not just about asking questions because that can feel very much like an interview. Ask questions 
And then the follow-up is engage the answers that they give you. You don't wanna just fire off questions. I remember watching an interviewer once and it was horrible because he was just focusing on the next question, waiting for it to be answered, and then moving forward as though there was an agenda, as though it really mattered if he got through the questions. And I noticed people do that on dates as well. There's nothing you need to get through. Where are you rushing to? Sit sit in the material and be present. So ask questions and then engage what they say. Don't just ask. Engage what is said back and then track it. Meaning if you have an ongoing relationship with that person, follow up. Hey, how was your week? Someone might say, I have a job interview. Engage it. Wow, job interviews. Are you prepared? I know that they can be really anxiety inducing, blah, 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 blah. And then the next day or later that week say, how did that job interview go? That is how we build intimacy and depth. We ask questions, we engage the answers to the questions we ask, and then we track and follow up. I always say, if you're in a serious relationship, know your partner's friends, know their colleagues, know what they're doing with their colleagues, know what's going on in their friends' lives, ask, be a part of, follow up. Hey, I know you said your friend was going through a divorce. How are they doing? How did that go? I know you or your colleague are up for a promotion. How was that? That's how we maintain presence and depth. That's how we let people know we care. Some people are feeling very lonely and detached because they don't know how to be present and they don't know how to maintain. Maintenance is an issue. That's where loneliness comes from. We might be around people, we might have people in our lives, but we're not really dropping into this depth because no one's asking, following up, tracking. That, that's where that really, 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 really can build that trust, that commitment, and that care. So that's part of it. And we covered already earlier in tonight's show the domains that we can be thinking about to help us direct how we can really get into someone's life and the kind of questions we can ask. And then on a romantic level, the different kinds of dates that we can have so as to build out the time to build in this kind of work. And we can also apply that to our friends because it's really about presence when you're with them, presence when you're not with them, and then consistency. And that's why technology is awesome. Even when you're not with them, you can be with them somehow. You can still be a, a partner you can still be um, engaged and you can still be kind of on their journey in them and yours. Um, and that's the work. So um, start slow, start small. Because for some people they're like, okay, I wouldn't know what to say if someone asked me about you know social world, career, psychology, emotional health, sexuality. And so some of this is about us learning to have a better relationship with ourselves. Um, we all, we all have something going on that's deeper than just that superficial part that people can witness from the outside. But remember boundaries and privacy always exist within this. Just because someone's asking us questions doesn't mean we have to answer or they're a safe person to answer to. And in us trying to do this work with other people, we have to be willing to have them say, I'm going to stop you. I remember, and this happens all the time and other people that are tattooed might remember this. I have had people that I don't know well or even at all ask me about my tattoos. Well, they're, they're actually pretty private and personal, even though you can see them, um, just like you might see someone's jewelry or what they're wearing, that doesn't mean I wanna build intimacy and share what the meaning is in that. You might ask someone, where did you get those shoes? That's pretty safe, but why did you get those shoes? How often do you wear them? Did someone give you that jewelry? Why did they give that to you? That can feel a little too personal and close for someone we don't know or someone who's just sitting by us. That comes up a lot with tattoos as well. Let me see your tattoos. And I was like, whoa, I don't even know you. I don't know that I wanna bring you in that closely on any level. My point being, when I've said that, and I don't quite say it like that, some people are offended. They're offended at a boundary. They're offended at someone saying I'm not comfortable answering that or someone saying I'm not willing to answer that right now or whatever it is. We have to be willing to be told no. We have to be willing to have someone set a boundary saying, oh, I'm not ready yet or I'm not comfortable yet, Let we'll get there. We have to be able to hear that. That's a part of this. <laughs> it's not a free for all. Remember, we're not trying to be boundary less. We get to have boundaries, but we also have to be able to deal with other people setting them with us. It's, it can't be offensive. We can't treat it as offensive and we can't feel rejected when someone sets a boundary with us. No, I'm not interested in going on a date or no, I don't really wanna talk about that or no, I don't wanna talk about that right now or no, I'm not comfortable discussing that. We have to be able to say, okay, and not collapse, shatter and fall apart. We can't be that fragile. That is like a mandatory part of this. That's a mandatory part of life, but especially part of conversations, intimacy, and everything we've been talking about.
if nothing else, just work on that, being able to be told no, and also being able to tell other people no. That's how we decide that we're in a safe relationship. Because if someone can't hear a no, then you can't be in my life. You're not healthy enough. I have to be able to say no or set a boundary and know that that's not going to be offensive or injuring. You know, that's like the bare minimum. Okay, when we come back, we're going to do some DMs. So if you got a question for us, topic you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, we got a whole lot more to come. So stick around and don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Oh, Rachel, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm a survivor of domestic abuse. I was able to safely get out of the relationship about five months ago. I'm starting to feel my old self come back, but serious conversations or topics with friends and family exhaust me. I find myself not asking questions, not because I don't care, but because I just don't have the mental capacity to take information or give advice. Is this normal for a post-abusive relationship survivor? A hundred percent. You're sensitive. You're fragile. These topics trigger you. you. You're still working through it. It hasn't been that long. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Set boundaries. I know I went through, well, without even making it about me, but using it as an example, I went through some really rough stuff this year. True, truly traumatic stuff. Um, and everyone wanted to understand, check in, keep up with, participate, weigh in, offer support. And I was like, listen, I'm dealing with this. I, I will when I want to, but I'm trying to also take breaks away from the material. I don't always want to live in it. It's not always good to talk about it. Sometimes it's better to not talk about things because you don't always want to be living in it. It's, we have to learn how to take time away. We have to learn how to make room for it and still participate in our lives outside of it. So don't feel pressured to talk about anything ever if you're not in the right space or place where you want to drop into that material. And some people want to just move on. Some people are like, look, I don't identify as an alcoholic. I did a whole bunch of stuff. I stopped drinking. I want to move on and move away from that. Great. Have at it. Some people don't want to always be identified with their domestic abuse. Look, I'm out of that relationship. I've healed. I moved on. Awesome. However, sometimes those triggers remain. So if you do see them getting activated, you do want to share with people why and what's going on so that, again, they don't personalize. They don't think something's wrong with the relationship. So we do want some transparency. But yes, set boundaries and don't talk about it if you're not interested. All right, we got time for another one. This is, hey, Dr. Chris, I listen to your show a lot, and I know that you touch on seasonal depression. I was wondering if it works the other way around. Find myself having a lot of energy in the summertime, but now my energy levels are dropping. Wouldn't say I'm depressed, just tired. Is this something that can happen as well, or is that considered seasonal depression and I'm in denial? Um, what do you mean by work the other way around? I have myself a lot of energy in the summer, my energy levels are dropping. So seasonal depression um, yes, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent clear of your question though. Is that something that can happen or is that considered? Don't worry so much about labels, just express where you are and what's happening for you. And if in the summer you said you have a lot of energy, but now the levels are dropping as a result of what the, the temperature or time changing, I'll just say it like this seasonal affective disorder means that the seasons affect your mood and your feelings. The winter can do it. The summer can do it. I have it in the summer. The heat and the sunshine make me depressed and anxious. The cooler weather and the darker weather make me feel safer and soothed and more energized. 
it can go either way. And no one's experience of it is the same. That's why I ignore criteria and labels and diagnoses and what, how, what people be where you are. If you're feeling what you're feeling, that's what you're feeling. And that's your experience. And there's no denial in that, you know? So if you're saying, I find myself having a lot of energy in the summer, but now my energy levels are dropping. You wouldn't say you're depressed, just tired. Well, fatigue and exhaustion can be a sign of either depression or they can be a sign of the heat, which is exhausting, can tire us out, or maybe you're living in burnout. How is your sleep? Are you eating healthy and nutritious if you have access to that? Are you moving your body? Are you hydrated? You know, exhaustion can be a lot of things. So um, I don't have a direct answer for you, but yes, it can be tied to depression and that depression can be born out of any season. I hope that answered your question. Sometimes it's hard because I have my own follow-up questions and I don't always get to get them answered. Um, but that's an important one because sometimes people are like, why is this happening? Just don't panic. Be where you are, make room for it, allow it, try to still participate fully in your life, still try to carve out space for joy and pleasure and all the things that make you happy and let it just kind of be there. Depression is going to be a part of our lives at all uh, at some point in everyone's life, you know, and we have to learn how to kind of be functional still as it's occurring without getting scared. All right, y'all, if you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into. Always anonymous, always confidential. And check out past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff because the quality of your practice is the quality of your life and the quality of your relationships. You know, it's not enough to just hear this stuff. So I say my patients in therapy, you got to go out and apply it, practice it. It's a daily practice because you're trying to rebuild your thought process or you're trying to rebuild the way you're moving through the world. All right, y'all. That's our show. Thanks for hanging out with me. It's always a pleasure to be part of your journey. Y'all be kind to yourselves. Be kind to those around you. Have a good rest of your night, y'all. Good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 